This is episode number 175, Facing Mortality, with Bobby Laporte. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming weekly conversation called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community members even closer, as well as creating a space where each and every single one of us can better understand and embrace the individual journeys that we take within this life. If you would like to know more details about how to join any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond with all the details about how you can become a part of any of these upcoming calls as well as our community. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review through iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for being here and thank you for having a pre-conversation prior to the conversation. <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah. the best way that I could yeah. put it. But Yeah, that was cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate absolutely. It. Absolutely. As as you and I were talking, there's this theme and this topic that we started to talk about and it's something that you chose initially and that was um in regard to mortality and and in particular facing it. You know, I've I've had um I've questioned this, especially recently, for quite some time. And the reason why is because my experience has been the more in tune I became with the sense of purpose and the thing that I was responsible for on this planet with my own experience, I noticed myself fearing death a lot more. And and I think maybe one of the reasons why is because it would, it's kind of one of those things where you tap into where I tapped into the purpose. And then the only other factor that I couldn't control was time. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that I've learned through however many conversations I've had by now, it is one of the wishes that many of us have, it is to have more time. Right. And so it gets me curious about this concept of just how long do you have? How do you process what that time frame looks like? I mean, in reality, I believe it's just now. That's it. That's the only thing yeah. that you do have. Even the next moment's not guaranteed. I mean, yeah. I remember for the longest, <laughs> longest time trying to control some of these aspects such as breathing, heart rate, and all these things. When in reality, it's like, what can I control about that process? <clears throat> you know, I can't control how, when I'm going to take the next breath or how it happens. And I mean, that goes back to, I think, the whole complexity of the body and the mind and everything. It's, I, I can't even describe to you in detail 
how the breath in, <laughs> how yeah. the breath in right. works and what all, all of the organs have to do in order to even produce it. So in, in your experience, as we talk about this topic, what have you learned about it? How have you come to terms with, well, let's start with death. How, how do you, what does death even mean to you at this point? Uh, I'm not sure I've come to terms with it. I don't know that. I mean, I guess some people say they have, right? Um, but uh, the older, I mean, I'm a lot older than you. The older you get, I mean, that's one of the things that sort of it was a kind of like aging was sort of like a forcing function somewhat for this question for me. So mm -hmm. the older you get, the more you think about, as you said, so what's my purpose? you know, this whole legacy question. I mean, what do I want to do with my time? And you're, I don't know, I don't know what the time is. I don't know if it's like three days or, you know, three years. I mean, like you said, no one has any idea. So <clears throat> I started thinking about this because um, somewhat like you, the purpose, so my, after my corporate career and then my consulting business now has really taken a different focus and shape and so I sort of feel like at this late stage in life, I've kind of hit the, oh, okay, this is really, <clears throat> and validated through lots of different reasons. This is really the work that I enjoy doing and that I've meant to do, right? Mm -hmm. it's like, why, could, why couldn't I figure this out when I was 35 or 40? Mm -hmm. So you think about, okay, how do I, um, like you said, take how do I take advantage of the quote time that I might have right, to really amplify this work and continue to impact as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but also knowing that that could change any day. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I'm not sure that I've really, you know, come to terms with what, you know, death is, but mm -hmm. I am trying to, as you said, each day, just to be a little bit more in the moment and present, which is, you know, when we're so busy and there's so much changing and all this uncertainty, we, we talked about that in the, in the pre-conversation. It's really challenging to stay focused. It's a very distracting time. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge for everybody is how do I just focus on what's going on right now? Because in that, you know, sort of total attention, that's how you, you really mine your gifts and give the best you have to people and help them, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever the conversation is or whatever you're trying to accomplish with them. So I'm really working on trying to be better at that. Um, and just from a purely practical business standpoint, go from um, like doing more, doing like this one-to-one -one. I mean, my business had always been coaching and some team stuff. And so now with some of the, programs I'm putting in place, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I go from one to one to one to many? So mm. just like you, how do you scale yourself? Which is a common challenge, I think, for lots of consultants mm -hmm. and, you know, people like us, like, you know, business owners who do that sort of work. Um, so how do you shift the work you're doing so that, that it's not so much just for that individual, but you're putting yourself in a position to share your message or the you know, the focus you have or the, the benefit you're trying to um, help people derive to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. um, Where do you think that comes from, this concept of wanting to serve as many as possible? Because I've encountered this many times, especially when I would approach different 
individuals who have large platforms and networks yep. to be podcast guests or speakers at our events. And one of the most common questions that I oftentimes receive in return is how big is your audience? How many yeah. viewers do you have? Yeah. And so I get curious about that. Like, where does that come from? And it is because if there's anything that I've learned, it is that if what I can do is focus on one person at a time within that conversation, right? Even within a crowd right. of a thousand, my experience has been is that I may not hit all thousand. I may not impact every, each and every single one of them. Not to mention the impact that oftentimes is thought from the lens of, okay, it has to impact them now, when in reality, some of the impact may happen five or 10 years down the road. Right, right. Yeah. How do you, no, how I, do you approach that? Or where do you, where do you think this, co this comes from? The desire of, to impact as many people as possible. possible. Is that ego or is that something else? For me, it's not ego. I mean, I don't feel like I have a big ego. I think from, from the kind of the questions you were talking about that you get from a purely commercial standpoint, right? If you're asking for somebody to be a sponsor or whatever, they want to say, okay, so what's the reach you have? How many people, right? How many people are you reaching? How many impressions? What's the impact? I mean, if you're working one-on-one -on -one with people, that's very different than if you have the opportunity to speak to thousands, right? So from, so I think that's, I mean, from a purely commercial business standpoint, obviously that's where that comes from an individual. Um, you know, I just think it's, if you really are connected to the purpose, as you mm -hmm. talked about that you've established and you really enjoy the work you're doing and you see people benefit from it, which clearly you do and right in the work you're doing, there's this, um, sort of innate human desire to, um, to be able to want to support and help more people. At least that's the way I look at it. I look at it as, okay, well, sure, I could spend an hour in a coaching session with one person and they get, sure, and then they leave and they have a specific benefit or they've, they've learned something new about how they should behave or there's something that comes out of that. They go, okay, this is something I can walk away with. And you hope that when you're talking to a large group, whether it's through a platform like this or it's live in front of an audience or it's recorded through, you know, a video or an online course or something, you hope that, that you're, you're being able to like get a message through to people you don't always know, right? Like you said, it may not happen that day. It may happen down the road, mm -hmm. but you hope that the people in the audience hear what you say, they, they understand how your experience relates to them. Right. I think that's something you do really well is putting people in the scene and saying, look, this is my story. This is my experience. And then when you put people in the scene, they're like, oh yeah, I've been there. I understand that. So, and you can help them to be able to move forward or change something in their life. And you, you hope that there are people in the audience will either take something then or somewhere down the road. They're like, you know, I remember when I heard Oleg speak. Um, so I, I think people like you and I just see it from a point of service. You know, it's not like, hey, if I can get in front of a thousand people and then I can sell all these books and all. I mean, I'm way past that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like, okay, no, I'm not really worried about that. Um, yeah, there's something to be said, I think, for the journeys that you and I travel. And one of the things that I'm learning more and more every single day is the importance of documenting as much as you can about it. And, and that, I think a good portion of it for me is, the reason why I choose to document this experience, whether it's through form of speaking, podcast, whatever it is, is give myself an opportunity to look back and reflect upon what I've learned, or even to look back within some of those moments that I go through 
on a daily basis and, and ask myself, well, what did I learn for this? Or what has this relationship or breakup taught me? Because you write, and it's something that you mentioned at the beginning of this life. I mean, it literally goes by. It's a flash just right in front of you and it happens so fast. And the other thing is that there's so much information that's being put in front of us every single day. Yeah. I mean, even right now, you know, I'm looking at a computer, phone, microphone, and each and every single one of those carry their own story, their own purpose. So it becomes hard or harder to stay in the present and, and really tune into a conversation, tune into the energy where you're constantly being surrounded by all these other influences that happen around you. Yeah. So how do you, what's your approach to that? How do you do that? How do you get yourself for like a conversation, <coughs> excuse me, like this, where you can sort of like, you know, ignore, you know, I mean, the phone and everything else and thinking mm -hmm. about your next meeting and what you have to do later today. What I works think for you? I think for me, what works is so for some of the things that I believe I can quote unquote control, such as a phone, I, the very yeah. first thing that I do is I put on do not disturb yeah. and I put it far away from me where it's going to be an effort for me to right. reach for it. Yeah. And so I, I've been very fortunate to train myself that in that process of reaching for it, I can consciously recognize that, oh, okay, I'm reaching for a phone. Do I need to do that right now? Yeah. That I think comes with a I can't say relatively high, but definitely an elevated level of awareness yeah. to be able to identify those things. And then beyond that, I think not choosing to focus about the future, you know, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. In, in my opinion, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if I'm there yet. It might be possible, but I don't know if I'm there yet because if you look at, or in my case, if I look at the breakdown of, let's say, today or tomorrow, and I see all the different things, it's difficult to ignore them for the rest of the day. Yeah. And so even though in this particular case, I may not be thinking about the next conversation, just the thought alone that there are other things that you have to be aware of. So then you become more conscious of the time and whether or not you're fitting in whatever it is that you were intending to have right. in a conversation in that time. So I, I think this concept of thinking about the future, I, I don't know if I can't say I'm there yet. I, I'm definitely a work in progress when yeah. it comes to it. Well, I think we all are. I mean, I try, excuse me, I try really hard to stay like focused, excuse me, on that conversation. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> But I have to keep bringing myself back, you know, mm -hmm. to um, oh, thinking about the next, what's happening later today, bringing myself back to the current conversation. Yeah. And some people use, you know, meditation or mindfulness or different ways to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely a discipline and an intention um, that takes a lot of work. And I don't, I mean, I, I think there's few people who are masters at it, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also, uh, it is, and, yeah, and there's really also funny. a lot to be said about, I mean, this is something that you and I even had a conversation around this concept of normal yeah. with this. You, it's, it's about learning how to adjust really. If there's anything that I've learned a lot in this process of 
how do I choose to stay in the present? It's learning to adjust. Here's another thing. Every conversation is different. You know, you yeah. might, you might be in a place where you can stay in the present, but another individual may not be. And so a lot of the things that it also boils down to how they choose to respond. So they may be responding with more of a futuristic view and constantly pushing the conversation forward and forward and forward versus others may choose to slow down and solely be in here. So there's so many ways to, I think, process this experience. And it really just boils down to where you're at and what chapter you're writing of your book right now. I'm curious about when you said documenting. So what kinds of things are you doing? to like document your journey and your experience so you can reflect and learn from it. I mean, you, when you say document, mean in terms of like this kind of <clears throat> doing the podcast and recording, but are there other things you're doing to really sort of um, take history of what's going on with you through this mm-hmm. time? I journal. Yeah. Do you? I journal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I journal on daily. And for me, the way that I journal is I try and focus on filling up one page completely. And then if, if I, if I go beyond that, if I get other thoughts, then I'll continue going. But I, that's my bare minimum requirement that I set for myself. And one, that's page. Just one page. One yeah. page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I try and process everything that I can. For example, let's say if I would have a negative encounter, I would try and process it. And I, what I've noticed in doing, what I've noticed happened to me within the past couple months to maybe a year, a year is as I journal, I, tr- I always reframe. I always reframe. Ah, interesting. I'll always look at a, let's say, a negative encounter through the question of what was I here to learn? Why did I feel that way? How can I take this interaction moving forward? Maybe there is a grain of truth that the person mm-hmm. had mentioned. And if so, what is that truth? What do I choose to believe? What do I choose to carry with me? So it's been, it's been a really interesting practice. And I think a lot of it just has to do with being in the field and looking at all these past experiences that I went through and knowing that yeah. it, w- it was through that reframe yeah. that I was able to experience a completely different life. I'm curious about what would you say is the, um, <clears throat> like reflecting back now, so it's, we're going on almost six months with this pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Is there like one lesson, one thing that you think about, you kind of look back and say, wow, Six months, it's been almost six months now mm-hmm. that you say during this time, this is like the one learning or lesson that really stands out. What is this here to teach me? Yeah. What am I, I mean, here to learn? Yeah. You know, at least, at least to this point. Yeah. How do I process yeah. the yeah. apparent adversity? Um, because I you also, definitely, you've, I'm going to say you faced a lot of adversity. So what's, mm-hmm. what's different about this time? Is there anything that's different? Not much. No, I think that, I think the, mm -hmm, I think the principles are the same. I think the, the thought of just keep moving forward is the same as previous times. And that's one of the things that at least has helped me is understanding that as difficult as it may be, if there's anything that I've learned that has helped me get through it, action, that's it. Now, it doesn't have to be always like kind of massive action that gets talked about. Action could literally be just sitting down and reflecting upon the current progress or (coughs) thinking of different ways, different people to approach, different organizations to talk to. So 
that that really has worked for me is is looking at it through the lens of what am I here to learn? What is this here to teach me? Because I think even I can't even say even I, I will say that this just like any other time, in my opinion, it can always teach you something. Mm-hmm. Whether it's different things, or it's the same exact lesson, just repeat it through this different event. Right. But for you, that's it's always a learning experience. It's reflecting back on mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> what you know, what did this teach me? Mm-hmm. What am I here to learn? Mm-hmm. Are you doing things differently now than you were six months ago? Besides the physical versus virtual environment, are you um, are you are you working differently in any way <clears throat> that you can identify? I think I am. Yeah. Um, what I've learned for me within the past, especially within the past six months, I have become a lot more time efficient. Mm -hmm. And that's recognizing where I'm putting the time and the energy into and trying to work on ways. I don't know if it's necessarily eliminate, but definitely cope with some of the things that may not be the best use of my time. For example, over a course of a work day, the number of times I used to get up to get a snack was just outrageous. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like a, how, how much that's more a danger. Of, yeah, that's the danger of working from home, right? <clears throat> it is. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it is one of those dangers of working from home. And it, it's one of those that I actually don't hear often enough talk, talked about. And it, but it is a big, it could be a big concern because in snacking, yeah. Then there's a follow-up that happens and you get tired and you want to take a nap. Yeah. And by the time you wake up from a nap, the work day's over. The day's and over. So, and then so in your mind, you rationalize this concept that, oh, it's already 3.30 or 4 o'clock, close enough to 5. Boom. And I, and I think even working from home and having an entrepreneurial venture where it's not necessarily dependent from, on the 9 to 5 structure I, I do believe that the nine to five structure does impact some of us in a way. And that is in that concept of the work day, even though we can work way past five o'clock. Yeah. Yep. I think just solely recognizing that it's five o'clock and that's how a good portion of the world operates. It impacts me in a way where it gives me that thought of, okay, maybe you the should day, stop. The, the day, day is, is over. over. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the, um, we started this conversation talking about mortality. So is, uh, is the sense that, you know, we don't, we don't, none of us know how much time we have, right? And mm-hmm. coupled with the impact that you're having on people, is that informing more your sort of day-to-day discipline around, you know, well, I could like slough off, I could have a snack, I could take a nap, I could do whatever, you know, and at least for me, I come back to the end of the day. I mean, I try not to beat myself up, but it's like, okay, I need to really make the most of my time. Yeah. Right. And so it's that discipline, right. And that intention and just saying, I need to, you know, take the time I have today, one day at a time and do as much as I possibly can. Right. Yeah. Across all the domains of my life. Right. So mm-hmm. work, family, take care of yourself, all of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, is this, is this pandemic and the impact it's had, and then you just sort of thinking about, you know, how do I make the most of each day? This sort of like framing around, you know, your mortality. Is that part of what's impacting you trying to be more productive? 
and for, you know, for lack of kind of a better word, in I would the front say of your so. mind and the back of your mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say so without a doubt. And the other thing that has happened to me is I've become a lot more conscious of wanting to be the best version of myself that I can. Mm -hmm. And so constantly, constantly working on myself and knowing that some of those things such as getting up and the never ending snack story, <laughs> surprise, there's still snacks left in the pantry, pantry yeah. to begin with. But it's one of those things where I've come to a point where I was, where I've been able to recognize it. And I mean, in all honesty, I just got tired. I got tired of repeating the same behavioral patterns that I finally understood that are not really serving me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in wanting to change it, I'm, I make a conscious effort as often as I can. You know, do I get it right every time? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> but do I try? Yeah. Yes, without a doubt. I try and change those things. And, and the other thing is that every single day, it's its own journey. And no Tuesday is the same or no Monday is the same. Every single one of those brings a different set of experiences, different set yeah. of encounters. And so that's another thing that I become aware of is that one day I may wake up at 8 a.m. Another day I make up, wake up at 6. And so not beating myself up over that concept and more so understanding that there's still enough time left uh, in a day I see. for you to accomplish the things that you aspired for. It didn't have to be complete within those specific windows to be exact. Right, right. But do you have a routine? Like, sound doesn't sound like maybe you don't. But you with like you get up at a certain time. And do you ever? I mean, we're sort of diverting from the topic a little bit here. But I'm always curious about people. Mm -hmm. You know, you read a lot about you know really successful people and what their morning routines are like. I'm just wondering, do you have anything consistently that you do in the morning to get yourself set up for the day? For me, <clears throat> read, meditate, journal. Yeah, I try and exercise in the morning. Sometimes it's great. Other times it's not just the body's not ready. Or yeah. I also think that one of the things that maybe doesn't get discussed often enough is in exercising so much of it has to do what you did previously. So let's say the day before you did something you worked on, I, I don't know, a full body workout. Yeah. So your whole body is drained and, and it needs more time to rest. And so working out later in the day may be in your best advantage. So I've been able to recognize that part and not force myself. Mm. I mean, there have been numerous times where I would walk into a gym, pick up a weight, and I'm like, can't do it right now. Yeah. I got to do this six hours later. Yeah. Versus trying to force it in and, and you know, break through the soreness and be tough. And in reality, I just said, why am I doing that when yeah. I'm just probably going to risk getting injured? or um, experience something like that, just give it a little bit more rest and then do some of the other things that I envisioned for today and then fit this in a, at another chapter and the chapter within that yeah. day. So I don't have a specific routine kind of a hour by hour, minute by minute, more so I try, I do understand, or I have understood that reading, journaling and meditating does set the intention yeah. for the yeah. day. It gives me enough <laughs> information to think about and then from there, what I've learned is that 99% of the conversations actually somehow relate to that first thought that I had from reading a book or journaling. Somehow they're all interconnected. And maybe it's because I'm choosing oh, to focus on that thought yeah. more 
and then it comes out during those conversations. But that's, that's what I've learned. That's, that was been my experience. Oh, so that, that, that um, set of activities you do in the morning that kind of sets up your day, mm -hmm. you feel like it, I mean, uh, especially we talk about journaling, the connection between the, in the brain to your hand, you know, I mean, it actually helps you to make your thoughts more concrete and real mm -hmm. than typing. Um, but that there's something in the subconscious that moves forward and connects to some of the conversations you're having. Yeah. Later on during the day. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've been curious about, and maybe you have some insight on this as well, but the impact of journaling. I think there's a lot to be said between what you just briefly mentioned, that connection yeah. between your hand and the yeah. brain, but I don't there know is. enough about it. Do, do you know anything about like what, what actually happens? Why, why is it that effective? You know, I'm not an expert, though I did see an article last week about the benefits of journaling. And some of it is just, some of it is the, you know, neurophysiological connection between your thoughts and actually the, the kinetic connection of writing, writing versus keying. Mm -hmm. um, it's the, um, it's sort of the process of, even though it's not considered traumatic, it's sort of the process of taking a thought and unpacking it, or like you said, writing down what, what did I learn during this time? Um, it's the routine of it. And there's lots of science behind it. You know, I've read a bunch of articles. I'm not an expert and I'm not the best at actually following the practice. <laughs> I mean, I have like four books over there that I've started. I'm going to start journaling again. <clears throat> and then it's good for like a couple of weeks and then I'll forget. And, you know, I'm, I'm a morning person like you, or so it sounds like you are. So I try to do those things in the morning, but sometimes I feel like it's a chore. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to be a chore. It's like, oh, I have to journal this morning. Um, but there's lots of, uh, I think there's lots of benefits to opening up your mind, <clears throat> providing perspective, um, cataloging your thoughts. You know, um, when I have done it over a consistent period of time, it's interesting to go back and look. Okay. You know, so you want to read Oh, wow. I said that a year ago. That's still a problem now. I should think about that, right? Huh. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. I don't yeah. read any of the previous days. Yeah, I have. I yeah, turn the page over and then and I make yeah. sure. In fact, for example, if I open it up and let's say I have one side filled up, but the other one's empty. So the yeah. other one would be for today. Yeah. I'll actually fold it in half. So oh, so you don't you don't want to see the day before. I don't oh, want to see the day before. And oh, I think it has to, it has to do something with a friend of mine however many years ago taught me this concept of when, when, at least when he used to, he would write his things of list, uh, things to do for the day. He would always rip out that page and recycle it and then just start the new list by transferring some of the things that he didn't complete. And then he will add new ones, Yeah. but he would never keep track of all the previous days and, and the things that he crossed off and didn't. Yeah. And I've noticed that it, it has <clears throat> had a big impact on me and how I choose to operate my day because then I'm not, like you said, beating myself up over yeah. this concept of looking yeah. back and thinking like, yeah. Oh man, can't believe yeah. I didn't complete this. Yeah, or yeah. I can't believe yeah. I didn't cross that off. Yeah. So I yeah. think journaling works the same exact way for me. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? It is really interesting. Um, what, do you, what do you do when you treat it like a chore? <laughs> do you just still do it or do you do it at another time? Sometimes I do. Cause I'll, I'll have said, and this usually starts on the first of the month, which is tomorrow. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I usually say, okay, it's a new month. I'm going to be disciplined to do this. And then, so I'll get up and I'll go, okay, I guess I have to do this. So when it's a chore, but I just force myself to, you know, <clears throat> I have to use that word force, but I sort of, I do sort of like just get started. You know, mm. when I open it up and just get started, even if I don't feel like I want to reflect on what happened yesterday or what I'm going to be doing today. Um, and it's, it's interesting. It's kind of in some ways in a little bit of an obtuse way connected to what you're talking about, about working out because we, in triathlon, we have this thing called the 15 minute rule, right? I mean, if you can start exercising, we call it 15, it could be 10 minutes. If you can start and do something for like 10 or 15 minutes, then you're, you're like, um, neurologically and physio physiologically past the point where it's now a challenge or where it's painful. I mean, pain is one thing, but where huh. you're where from a habit standpoint, once you're past that point, then it's easy for you to finish. So if you can start something, say, so I'm just going to like run for 15 minutes, or I'm going to spin for 15 minutes, or I'm going to do something, right? And at that point, <clears throat> your body is in a rhythm, your body and your mind are connected in a rhythm, and it's easier for you to continue. So it's that, so I kind of have that mental framework of the discipline of if I start, right, you know, it kind of, it puts um, things in motion for me to continue. Mm -hmm. So I, it is a little bit of a chore. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was thinking about that because like, <laughs> we were on vacation for a couple of weeks and I stopped. And then I'm looking, oh, tomorrow, September 1st, like a new month, right? I should start again. So mm -hmm. I'll have to circle back with you, let you know. <laughs> I started whether or not it happened start, whether or not it happened um you know i know we before we finish i want to go back to one thing you were talking about as far as um being more intentional mm -hmm. this whole sort of like connection with mortality and using your time wisely so in the work that i do um helping people deal with uncertainty i talk about the the um the ability to develop a possibilities mindset Right. So how do you, <clears throat> in this time of uncertainty and change and, you know, our brains don't like uncertainty, they don't like the negative. How do we <clears throat> like, how are we able to stop and be able to make conscious choices so that we can develop options to see what's possible instead of relying on, you know, our brain will automatically, cause we don't want, want to work that hard. We'll go to what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I talk a lot about operating on autopilot right? Because, you know, we make thousands of choices every day. And so there's things we do. I mean, when you get up in the morning, and you put one foot on the floor, and then you brush your teeth, you make the coffee. I mean, these are all things that you do automatically. Yeah. And we know from, <clears throat> from science that we spend 80 to 90% of our time on autopilot. And probably more now because we're so worried and all this uncertainty and we're in our and we're tired and we don't want to have to stop and think. But what you're doing by stopping and being more intentional and just taking a few seconds to actually put some space between your reaction to something rather than stopping and thinking and responding, right? And adding that time to your decision-making actually activates a part of your brain that's responsible for creativity and problem solving and for inspiration. And so you give yourself that few seconds, which actually you know, opens up your mind and allows you to see what's possible as mm. opposed to just going through the motions. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. So, by, <clears throat> so by journaling, by just being more intentional, like you said, instead of going from one meeting to one conversation to another, by stopping, saying, what did I learn? Um, what happened here? What are the possibilities for me to take away from this conversation? 
it allows you to develop our options and really um, to make more conscious choices. When you're on autopilot, your choice is shut off. It's basically, you're just basically going through the motions, doing what you've done in the past. And we all know now, because of the era that we're living in, we can't rely on what's happened in the past because a lot of what we did in the past doesn't apply anymore. Correct. So just Correct. So trying to develop that awareness to get out of autopilot mm -hmm. help, helps you to make more conscious choices and it creates more possibilities for you. It hopefully allows you to be more productive and contribute more. And that kind of comes back to how are we taking advantage of every day when we don't know if we're going to have it tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also a lot to be said in regard to one of the things that I'm taking away from what you just shared is everything has value or everything can be can of be value. value. Yeah. You know, every encounter, especially the negative encounters that we oftentimes experience. And I mean, I feel like I wouldn't be human if I did not say the words of, I can't believe this happened or, yeah. no, I just want to forget about it, about certain things. When in reality, everything can teach you something you didn't already know, or maybe you knew and you just needed a reminder. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are things that happen within my life. I can't think of any concrete examples, but I know for a fact that it's the same exact lesson over and over oh, and yeah. over again. Those, those are habits. Yep. Until you finally get it. Yeah. And then you change the, your habits and then your course opens up a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then you get different challenges yeah. that replace yeah. that. Yeah, you're right, but it takes discipline and intention. I mean, you have to stop. You have to build in that that stop, that um, that that breath or that you know moment that says, "Let me really think about what's going on here." Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. What can I learn from it? Um, so yeah, I'm impressed at your age that you're already doing all these things. I think I've told you that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I've been very fortunate to do is the ability to have conversations with people who have more experience who are older who might have reflected a lot more and have a lot more wisdom to comes to it and then beyond that there there was one phrase that i think really stuck with me from my younger days and it is once upon a time i was told by a mentor of mine who i used to work for at a property i used to do a lot of landscaping for him but he he told me this on one saturday morning he said you're very co coachable and from that moment on, it just stuck with me. And, and I think I've actually tuned into that even more, the desire to be coachable mm -hmm. in every situation, even situations where I would walk into and I know that I may have more experience, more knowledge, more X, Y, and Z, but just taking a step back and, and thinking like, what can this person teach me? Yeah. What can I learn from this encounter? Mm -hmm. Because not, so the other thing that I've learned about value is that it doesn't, it's not always the same. One person may say one sentence that's going to stick with you for the next 20 years and something that you live by. Yeah. Another person may share an abundance of resources that you may rely on. So this concept of, I think, of value coming in this package form, that package always varies. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't even exist. You know, it's very difficult to understand what is the value that you provide to an individual. Because it varies case by case basis, depending on who you're having a conversation with. So what yeah. I've learned for me yeah. is just the ability to be open-minded. One of the first steps, like that opens doors to just completely yeah. different world. Yeah, it does.
There is, um, there's a book that I've read that I, I don't know if you've come across called the art of possibility. Yes. That is an incredible read. Yes. Wow. That's from the, that's from the Xanders, right? Yes. Is it from the, yeah. Yep. That's been out for a long time. I probably read that 10 or 12 years ago. I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 I just read that within this past year and that yeah. is, wow. Yeah. Speak, speaking of a book that teaches all these aspects of life and leadership, the concept of leading from any chair. I remember just reading some of those stories and thinking to myself that, man, this is, there's so much to take away from this. There's so many metaphors, you know, when he, especially there, there's one, that one chapter still sticks with me and that is leading from any chair. And yeah. he spoke about a student who I think it was in fourth, fourth row or something like that of the uh, orchestra. He was the orchestra. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it just, it's so true. I mean, that's kind of what life is about. You have a lot of these hierarchies, but it doesn't mean that you can't be a leader just because you are at X, Y, and Z position yeah. or have an X, Y, and Z job. In fact, some of the people that I would recall as some of the leaders within my life, some of them were simple as janitors at schools. And they just chose to step out and develop a relationship, relationship mm -hmm. with me and then share all the insights and wisdom that they've learned along the way. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating that, yeah. that book for anyone that's interested. So I know that we're in the last couple minutes of our conversation and I want to give you the time to share with us anything that you have coming up, anything that people can be a part of. I know that you briefly shared some of the courses yeah. um, that you have and the different things that you offer to organizations, but is there anything else that you would like to include? Um. I just think the thing that's coming up the, the, um, on the horizon really is this um, online course. And so um, it, it's, uh, I'm gonna actually do a longer um, like four week course, but this is just called the Introduction to Navigating Through Uncertainty. And um, it'll, it'll launches on September 10th. Um, and so there's an open enrollment and then, so it's a one hour course. I mean, basically, it's like 45 minutes of videos and there's some reading, but I really hit all the high points and the, you know, the sort of tip of the waves of all the key elements of, that I use in my consulting and in my leadership development. Um, and so the, that information um, should be someplace on my website. I could send you the link when it's available. But, sure. Um, that's the main thing. So that'll be available for anybody to take in a couple of weeks. And uh, mm -hmm. that's why I was, I was uh, in Los Angeles this weekend doing all the video filming for that. So it was really interesting experience for me because I'm writing a book at the same time I'm doing the course. And most people, when they, when, they produce, <laughs> yeah, when they produce an online course, they come because they have a book. And so they already have like the table of contents and then they just mm. make it into like a course while well, I'm doing both at the same time. And so it's been a really interesting integrative experience because I'll develop a concept and I'll make a change in the manuscript. And then mm -hmm. I'll think, oh, I have to go back and now tweak this in the course, right? So they've been like fueling each other. It's been a lot of work, but it's been a really great experience. So that I'm really excited about because it's been like six months in the making. So what's the challenge yeah. of creating a course? Well, I work with, worked with an organization in Los Angeles that does, um, they have an amazing platform and, uh, and they have an amazing team of people that help you, you know, cause I'm not a teacher. Uh -huh. So it's really figuring out, are you doing a short course, which is what mine is to start with, or a longer one? 
And um, for me, it's taking the concepts that I know and that I'm using in my book and in my blog posts and my newsletters and all that and changing it from the written, right, which is what I'm used to, uh-huh. to more of a, a, a conversation mm. like you and I are having. So taking the concepts and not presenting them in written form so you read them and you get them, but me telling you and, and engaging you and bringing you in in conversation saying, here's something I'd like you to understand. Here's why this is important now. Here's what the action should be. So it's that conversation and that engagement um, that was the, the shift for me um, for the material that I've been working on. And then it's just really, you know, recognizing everybody's busy. And so if you're doing a three minute video, you have to really figure out multiple times during that, how do you get the key points across? Mm-hmm. When, are you, when are you giving people information and when are you teaching? Mm. And when you're teaching, how am I saying, is this something that sounds familiar to you? You might want to consider, right? Because if you're taking my course, but you're also, like we talked about earlier, you're on your phone or somebody came in the room, I need to continually pull you in. Mm. And that's really a element of the environment we're in. So it's been a pretty amazing learning experience. It's been, <clears throat> I think I started this in like February, March. So it's been six months. That's amazing. That's cool. So that's the thing I'm most excited about. That's the thing that's really on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And where can people find it? They can go to um, bobbylaporte.com. They can go to my website and the information will be there. Um, that's probably the best place. Or people can just email me, bobby at bobbylaporte.com and I can send them the registration information and the links. And it's really designed for teams. I mean, individuals can take it, but it's really designed for a leader and their team to go through it together. Thank you all for choosing to tune in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.